Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. City church people know that you only get to see this suit twice a year at church. Once is Christmas Eve, and the other time is Good Friday, so city church people enjoy this. Tonight, uh, I'm taking my text from Mark chapter 15, verses 20 and 21. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. The title of the message tonight is The Unexpected Cross. Would you join me in prayer as we look into God's word? Father, I thank you that you have a word you want to speak tonight to all who are disappointed, all who are disillusioned, all who find themselves in circumstances they don't want to be in. Lord, would you come tonight, hide me behind the cross so that we can see Jesus and so that we can hear Jesus and so that we can respond to Jesus. Lord, we love you tonight. Please fill every living room, every place that is watching this service. Even now we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So two points, only two. Number one, who was Simon? Simon of Cyrene. So Cyrene is uh, a city in North Africa that he lived in. And he is coming with his family, including his sons, Alexander and Rufus, to Passover. Originally, when God instituted Passover in Exodus, you had Passover at your home. But in Deuteronomy, when, right before they're going into the land, Moses said, listen, this is all going to change because God's going to ordain a place where the, the Passover sacrifices have to be made and everybody has to travel. Everybody, wherever you live, you need to come together in Jerusalem in the place that God has ordained the Passover sacrifice to be made and to be eaten. And they literally lived in tents for six days during the whole Passover event. So he is made a long journey with his family. They are coming to Jerusalem. It is now the morning of Passover. So it's very likely they have their lamb with them. They are traveling with the lamb. No doubt on their way there. You got a lot of time when you're coming from Africa. They have talked about Passover. They've talked about why. Why do we gather? What are we doing? And he has told the story to his boys and to his family. That this is about a holy God in covenant with a sinful people. 
And the way that God makes atonement for our sins is he takes this lamb that is without blemish that we sacrifice. And that because that lamb dies, it, it, we don't have to. It takes our place. Our forgiveness comes through the lamb. No doubt the story of Passover is recounted that they took the blood of the lamb and they applied it to the doorposts. And when the angel of death came, every house that had the blood on it, the blood of the lamb, was passed over. Now here's what Simon didn't know that morning. He didn't know that he was looking on the one who John the Baptist said is the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. What he did not realize, what he couldn't comprehend, is the one in front of him was the one that all of these lambs for all of these years have been pointing to. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world Jesus, the one in front of him, was the fulfillment of Isaiah 53. Would you with me behold the Lamb of God? Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Would you mind, for just a moment, beholding the Lamb of God, beholding Jesus and what he did for us, what we couldn't do for ourselves, that he did for us. The punishment that he received obtained peace for us. I have a question for you. Are you living in shame? Are you living in guilt? And are you living in regret? I'm sure you don't think about it this way. But what you're actually doing is punishing yourself. Because you've been so bad and you're such a bad sinner that you feel like you need to be punished. So you're, you're punishing yourself. And I don't, I, I don't think we realize what we do when we do that. We're bypassing the cross. Jesus took that punishment so that you could have peace. Jesus took that punishment so that you wouldn't live in the guilt and the shame and the regret. Don't bypass the cross. 
receive the peace that Jesus died for. By his stripes, we are healed. I think we're all aware that we are broken. I think we're all aware that we've been broken by sin and that we're broken in many different ways and we're broken by life and we're broken by events and we're broken by things that were out of our control and we've got a testimony of brokenness. But listen, behold the Lamb of God. By his stripes, we are healed. We we have a new identity. God is calling us out of our brokenness into his healing. He needs us to agree. Yes, we're broken, absolutely. But that's, that's not the best version of me. That is a version of me, but I'm, I'm moving into the best version of me. There is a healed version of me. Jesus died to bring forth this healing in me. In Isaiah 61, it says that he gives us his beauty for our ashes. Ashes represent what, what burned yesterday, everything that happened yesterday. God knows everything that happened. He knows every bad thing, difficult thing, hard thing, thing that broke you. Those are the ashes of yesterday. They are part of our story, aren't they? But they're not the end of our story. Our identity is not our ashes. Our identity is his beauty. There is a beautiful version of us that God is bringing forth. Jesus is saying, Behold me, behold the price I paid to bring you peace and to bring you healing. The unexpected cross. When Simon and his family came, they expected the lamb to suffer. And to die. What he did not expect is that he would would bear a cross. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. Jesus could not have made it more clear to the multitudes. If anybody wants to follow me, it will mean at some point that he's going to have to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That to know Christ is not just knowing him in his power and his resurrection and in all the wonderful things that he does for us, but it's also in identification with his suffering when we have to bear a cross.
On July 18, 2018, my daughter Anne gave birth to twins. Her and her husband Josh were coming in for her monthly appointment. It was the eight-month appointment, and, um, but something was wrong, and they said, we need to take these boys today. And so July 18th, Will and Jack were born. And right from the beginning, they were worried, they were concerned about Will. After a few months, Will had a, a seizure, and they took him to the doctor, and he got some medicine, and then he had another seizure, and they decided to bring him in to give him an MRI. And the MRI showed um, that Will was missing half of his brain. And the doctor was stunned. He said, this, this MRI does not go with this boy. This, this, this MRI says that the baby is either spastic or is uh, static, one, one or the other. But this is a normal boy, and he's responding in every way. And so he said that the brain is an amazing thing and, and can make adjustments. And, and so Will was put into physical therapy, and, but we were calling Will the God's miracle child. We called him God's will. And Will was getting better and better. And the, uh, in October... Of 2019, he was over a year now. He came, Josh and Ann live in Mexico. They were coming for our missions conference and they were staying for a whole month because one of my daughters was getting married. And so we had Will and Jack and Josh and Ann in our home for a whole month. And it was very interesting. I had a very special relationship with Will. Will delighted in his grandpa and they didn't have to do any physical therapy while Will was with us because whenever Will saw me, he would drag himself. Jack could crawl. Jack could walk. Jack could do things that Will couldn't do yet, but, but Will would try. And whenever he saw me, he would start moving and he would drag his body across our living room to get to me on that couch. And he'd grab my, and he'd pull himself up and stand. And I would reward him by giving huge hugs. And that scene happened at least 50 times while they were there. And Ann just said, he doesn't need any physical therapy because he's getting plenty in the living room. Well, on Friday, January 3rd, a tragedy happened. Early in the morning, Will had one of his seizures. And Josh and Ann gave him the, the, the emergency medication that the doctor had said. If he has a seizure, he got that medication right away. But he wasn't coming out of it. He wasn't, it was, he wasn't, he was unresponsive. And so they called the emergency unit and, and they agreed to meet the emergency vehicle at a place Josh and Ann got in their vehicle and took Will to meet this emergency vehicle uh, at a designated spot. And when the emergency team looked at Will, 
they said, it, it, it's, it's too late. He's gone. There's nothing we can do. And they said, but you need to wait right here on the side of the road in your vehicle until the coroner comes and pronounces this a death. And so there they are on the side of the road. It's, it's the morning of February, of, of January 3rd, Friday, January 3rd, and Anne calls us. And of course, she's weeping and she's holding Will. And I said, honey, mom and I are going to do some warfare. <laughs> and we took a, a full hour and prayed and believed God and commanded Will to wake up. We took a full hour of fervent prayer. Here's why. We believe that Jesus has the power of resurrection. Jesus raises the dead. Jesus can heal the sick. He still does that. This is who he is. He, this isn't some tangential thing. We believe in the power of the resurrection. And we gave it everything we had for a full hour. But it wasn't to be. And so we got on a, on a plane and we, we flew into Guadalajara because the funeral was on Sunday. We get there Sunday or, or we're, we're, it's, it's early, early morning on Sunday and Will's aunt has, um, has decorated the chapel. There's a chapel right on the base which is where the funeral was going to be and um, she had decorated with pictures of Will and, and they, they were, there were hundreds of pictures on strings of Will. So Will is just everywhere. The casket is in the chapel open. Will is there. When I come in in early morning, Josh, his dad, is kneeling in front of the casket and, um, and I'm just praying up and down the, the aisles. I, but I, I, can't, I can't stop crying. Every picture, I just... Everything Will meant to us, everything Will was, Will was a miracle. Will was, I, I just, I, I'm just, I'm just weeping and, and, and I didn't get to see him again. And, 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 and I, I, through all of the tears, I, I said to God, I just, this is, this is my, this is my complaint, God. You took him before we could, we weren't ready. We weren't ready to let him go. The Lord spoke to me. It's just one little sentence. And the sentence was this. I'm trusting you to trust me. And immediately I knew some things. I don't know how I knew them, but I knew them. I knew that if God was going to wait until we were ready to let go of Will, it would have meant Will had to suffer a whole bunch. For us to get to the point that we would pray, God, take him, please take him, don't let him suffer anymore, it would have meant so much suffering for Will. And God was, he was asking me, 
would I, would I suffer instead of Will? Would I be willing to suffer more and have Will suffer less? And I'm just like, oh my, if you phrase it like that, Lord, I'm so happy if I could suffer more so that Will could suffer less. Thank you. Thank you. If I could do something for Will, I would do anything for Will. This is not, thank you. I had to trust him with will, but then with my pain. Pain is an interesting thing. Loss is an interesting thing. He wanted me to trust him to heal me, to carry this pain, and to trust him to heal me. Well, a few hours later, I spoke at the funeral. And the text was from John chapter 2, 23 through 25. Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust him, trust in him. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew, uh, he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature for he knew what was in each person's heart. God loves people. And God saves everybody that believes in Jesus. But that doesn't mean that God trusts everybody. God knows human nature. They, he did miracles and they believed in him there and, and they trusted him. But it says Jesus did trust them because he knows human nature. He knows as long as God's doing what we want him to do, as long as the miracles are happening, as long as the blessings are happening, I am in. I am in. So how does God trust people? Hmm? God starts trusting people when you deal with your pain, when you deal with your loss, when you deal with that unexpected cross in a way that you don't leave him, but rather you draw close to him. Today, I believe this with all my heart, folks. God's got lots of believers right now. Jesus has got a lot of believers He's looking for friends. He's looking for people that he can trust. He's looking for people that he can use and work through. And so he tests us in many different ways. In his sovereignty, things happen that, that are way beyond our understanding. Yet we have to, to deal with them. And how we deal with them is I believe what, what brings us into the place of friendship with God. So I want to close before Isaac comes and leads us in communion with John the Baptist. John had a miraculous birth, 
the story around his birth had all of Judea talking. An angel appeared to Zechariah and spoke to him and said, this son is going to have the spirit of Elijah upon him. He's going to have the anointing that Elijah had. And so John went out into the wilderness and he lived like Elijah had lived. And he was a voice like Elijah was a voice. But then something happened to John that never happened to Elijah. Elijah was sovereignly protected from Ahab and Jezebel. But John was not sovereignly protected from Herod and Herodias. And he was put into prison. John was on lockdown. He was all by himself. And something happened to him that was unexpected. A difficulty came that was unprayed for, that was unexpected. It's just, it's just human nature. We've got a way that we think it's going to go. We pray into that way. This is how it's going to happen. And we have a vision of how it's going to happen and what it's going to look like. And of course, Elijah was taken up in a chariot. And no doubt, John is, how is this going to end? It's going to be glorious. But now he's in prison, he's alone, he's in a dark place. And the Bible says this, that he, some of his disciples came to him and he said, he sent them to go to Jesus and to ask Jesus, are you the one or should we be expecting someone else? Are you kidding me, John? You saw the heavens open. You saw the dove fall on him. You have already proclaimed. And now what, what John was absolutely confident of at one time now is being put into question. There is confusion in the unexpected cross. There's confusion in this isolation. Is, what Did I really hear right? Is, is God really in this? Is, it, and so his disciples go, and they talk to Jesus and they witness. And even as they are witnessing Jesus, the, the deaf are hearing and the lame are walking. And, and Jesus, Jesus is preaching to them. And he says, he says to these disciples, you go tell John. And he quotes Isaiah 61, which is the Messianic passage. You go tell John. The deaf hear. The lame walk, the blind see, and good news is being preached to the poor. And then he says this. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. And they go back and they give this word directly from Jesus to John. John has not taken offense yet. John is simply confused and isn't sure, and is being tempted to take offense. And Jesus says to John, listen, I'm, I'm speaking to you in the midst of this, and I have a blessing for you. If you choose to not take offense and, and, and lay down the confusion, lay down the difficulty, and embrace this for me. 
I believe God has a blessing tonight that he wants to give. We are living in a time that we didn't ask for, that we didn't prepare for, that we didn't know was coming. Yet here we are in isolation. Where there used to be an exclamation point, now there might be a question mark. God, where are you? What are you doing? Are you still good? Am I still yours? Am I still with you? And Jesus came and he spoke to John in that prison. Jesus came on that early Friday morning, January 3rd, or or Sunday morning, January 5th, and he spoke to me. He spoke to me and set me free. And I believe God wants to speak to you wherever you are. So as the worship team comes, I'm gonna ask you to just open your arms wherever you are in prayer right now. I wanna pray for you. Lord, tonight we want to know you. Lord, not just in the power of your resurrection, but also in the fellowship of your sufferings. Lord, you suffered most and you suffered first. And Lord, as we are experiencing an unexpected cross, in this time. And for many, it's, it's the COVID-19 unexpected cross, but for many, many others, there's many things that have been unexpected crosses. Many things that are in your life that you did not ask for and you don't know why they're there. And they've created confusion. And Lord, you spoke to John. John, I have a blessing for you. Don't take up offense. Don't leave me in offense. Come close to me in worship. Lord, would you speak to those who have lost jobs, to those who are dealing with death of a loved one, to those who are dealing with bad health of their own, to those who are wondering what's going to happen in the future, when are things going to open back up. Lord, we want to enter into the fellowship of your suffering and say, Jesus, I embrace this for you. I want to take this up for you. I want to know you. Speak to me. Lord, I want to not just be a believer. I want to be one of your friends. So I trust you with my suffering. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he had his last supper 
with his disciples and he took the bread and he broke it and he said to them this is my body which was broken for you this do in remembrance of me so tonight we celebrate the Lord's Supper we celebrate what he did for us on the cross and we celebrate that what he did is not simply a past tense thing but that he is with us that he is with us as we carry our cross and we are thankful for that let us take the bread together father thank you for this sacrifice thank you for what you did on the cross for breaking your body we bless this and we are thankful for grace that we did not deserve let us take the same manner he took the cup and he said that this is his blood that is shed for us the new testament washing our sins away Lord, we are thankful for what you did on the cross. Lord, we are thankful for new life, for new opportunity. We are thankful that our sins can be washed away. We are thankful that you write new stories and new chapters. We are thankful that you do not leave us in our shame, in our guilt, but you write new stories. Lord, may we be trusted by you. Thank you for this shed blood. Let us partake. We are going to worship in song one more time. <clears throat>